Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Hello, my name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And welcome back to the podcast. Upon review of the last few episodes of the podcast in which I say the phrase, you know, and I say it a lot. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked as to how often I said that, so I'm going to try to work on that. And I am going to look on expanding my vocabulary in 2019 because upon listening to some of our previous podcasts, I realized that I use the word great to describe a lot of things. Yeah. Everything is great. So uh, I know uh, that I have a much broader vocabulary than that. So <laughs> I will be looking for synonyms for the word great uh, this year in 2019 uh, when I enjoy parts of a movie. Uh, and, you know, that, that sounds great. <laughs> so look forward to us uh, improving our, our, our podcasting game there. Uh, this week, our first podcast recorded in 2019, we review a movie that we saw just a couple weeks ago back in 2018. That is true. Uh, the spinoff slash prequel slash fingers crossed reboot. Yes. As we saw. Bumblebee. Uh, the latest Transformers entry. And an easy question to ask, I think, easily answered. Did you like this movie? Yes. Yes. We both like this movie quite a bit. We laughed a lot, I think. Um, we'll talk, I'm sure, about the humor in yes. this movie. Yeah. Um, it was very cleverly written uh, in a lot of ways. And as uh, I think we talked about earlier, you, you left with this movie. Not at it. Yes. Yeah, there might be some uh, S talking about other Transformers movies while we're at it. Because some of those deserve a kicking. I'm just going to say it. They deserve it. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to uh, this week's movie, uh, we are off a week because we yes, ended our last year and began our new year on vacation. We That's right. uh, took off, spent a week in paradise, uh, went out to the Big Island, we spent some time in Hawaii. Yes, which, we did. Which brings us to uh, the beers that we're having while we're doing this week's podcast. Yes. So uh, while we were out there, you and I, uh, being the beer fanatics that we are, um, definitely tried to sample as many um, beer, different beers as possible yep. uh, that came from the islands. Um, and I was surprised at how few breweries are actually out there. Yeah. Um, that was something that we learned at one of the breweries that we went to, uh, the Mahama Brewing mm -hmm. Company. Um, and we were informed that there's only like four. Yeah. In the, um, amongst all the islands, uh, two of which were on. On the big island. On the big island. Yeah. Mahama which is was great. in Hilo. And then Kona Brewing, which I think is fairly recognizable. Right is in Kona, in Kona. right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, we had a great time sampling beer. We did sample some other beer from um, Maui Brewing. Mm -hmm. And But, yeah, so let's talk about what we have today. So what are you drinking? Well, speaking of Maui Brewing, that's what I am having. Uh, while we were there, we picked up a couple of IPAs from Maui Brewing just at a grocery store. And they were really good. They were. I was very happy with those a lot. I couldn't find any of those now that we're back here, but I did find from Maui Brewing the Coconut Hiwa Porter. And, uh, you know, I like a good porter. I'm not all about the IPAs. And uh, this is a good porter. It says that it's a robust dark ale with hand-toasted coconut and hints of mocha. When I saw the word coconut, I was like, Ugh. 
<laughs> but, you know, I wanted to have a Hawaiian beer for this, so I got it. And I don't taste hardly any coconut in it at all. I think it tastes just like a, any fine porter tins, too. With right. Like, you know, the chocolate notes and stuff and a little thick uh, tasting beer. So it's pretty good. Maui Brewing uh, has been around since 2005. A little longer than I expected. Uh, still locally owned. A quote from uh, its owner, uh, Garrett Marrero. Uh, which I found on an interview of Maui.com, MauiNow.com, quote, keep it here, keep our neighbors employed, keep the revenue on the island. Um, nice. It's interesting. And what might bring it to why there's so few craft breweries, he also says it's kind of been a challenge considering that he claims that the state liquor tax there is 10 times the national average. Wow. And also just uh, the, the cost of things in Hawaii, like right. for you know, various ingredients and whatever they need to make it is just more. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, might, I could see that. Yeah. So uh, their website doesn't have a ton about their history. I had to find the what little I did in other places and interviews and stuff. But yeah, and they have like three brew pubs. Um, you know, two on Maui. I think one's in in, uh, in Honolulu. And yeah, they've what I've had for them so far three different beers, and they've all been good. And uh, the porter is a uh, you know, it is a standard porter pretty much. Can you taste the coconut? I can't. I don't taste hardly any. Maybe barely a tiny bit on like the back of your tongue, <laughs> but that's it. Okay. So, yeah, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I will say we had the two IPAs that we had. One was an IPA and the other was a double IPA. Yeah. Both were fantastic. So um, I would definitely not be opposed uh, to, to searching out yeah. <laughs> those IPAs and uh, and getting them. So. You know, if we know anybody who's listening to this, who's yeah. going to be visiting Hawaii anytime soon, feel free to uh, purchase some Maui Brewing Company IPA for us. For sure. Now, how about yourself? What did we get for you? Um, so I am drinking the um, Hanalei Island IPA from Kona Brewing. Mm-hmm. And we flew in and out of Kona. And... Um, Kona Brewing Company was actually founded in 1994. Oh, man. So it is, yeah. it is, you know, quite old for a craft brewing company, I would say. Um, and it was founded by a father and son team, Cameron Healy and Spoon Kalsa. Um, and they wanted to uh, reflect the spirit, culture, and beauty of Hawaii in a collection of local island craft beers. Um, and so they set this up in the big island and you would um this is probably the beer that we're most familiar with seeing Mm -hmm. kind of in our local pacific northwest uh stores yeah um we see a lot of kona brewing yeah you'll yeah on tap even places and right and that actually is because um they produce their bottled beer and mainland craft beer in a couple of places in the in the on the mainland. Oh, okay. And one of those is here in Portland. Oh well, there you go. So, <laughs> um, so they have two uh, locations on the islands, but then they produce bottled beer and mainland draft beer in Portland, Oregon, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, mm. as part of their ally- partnership under the Craft Brew Alliance. So, um, and then they, under strict guidance, said. They also brew and bottle beer with their brewing partner in Fort Collins, Colorado. So, um, so seeing it on tap here in Portland suddenly makes a lot more sense since yeah. they're not having to ship kegs um, across the, the ocean. Right. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so this is pretty good. Um, this is 
uh, made with passion fruit, orange, and guava. Um, Mm. And you can smell, um, I'm going to guess, the passion fruit. Yeah. From quite a ways away. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like, we sat this down and I'm kind of reading through my notes and, and I'm like gosh, what is that? I smell this. And I uh, look over and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because my beer is sitting right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good. It's very um, citrusy yeah, for sure. Um, but it's a good beer. I enjoy it a lot. It reminds me of um, the warm island of Hawaii. All right. Very good. Okay, so now that we know what we're drinking during the course of the podcast, let's get into Bumblebee. Yes. So we are here in the new year. Yep. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we have um, done this. So typically one of us goes first. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we could just maybe flip a coin to see who goes first. Okay. Do you have so, a coin? Uh, no, I forgot that part. Oh. Um. <laughs> Dig into All right. I got one. Oh, hold on. We got to do better than a penny. I don't know. We're just looking Quarter. for heads versus tails. Okay. Here we go. Okay. You get to call it. Okay. Flip heads. It is tails. Ah, so you're going first. I will go first. Quick summary of Bumblebee that I wrote up. Okay, go for it. Bumblebee is sent to Earth by Optimus Prime to establish a base that the Autobots can eventually use to rally together after having to evacuate their home planet of Cybertron. Misadventures with new human friends ensue. Starring uh, Haley Steinfeld, John Cena, Robots. Yes. All right. So we've uh, each come up with our three favorite th- bits about this movie. We haven't shared them with each other before now. Correct. We'll take turns going back and forth uh, just with those. And, of course, spoiler alert, as we uh, don't bother holding back on plot details as we do this discussion. No, none at all. So, we will uh, absolutely talk about different parts of this movie. Yeah. So for my first thing, and it's just... Uh, the change in the Transformers animation, mm-hmm. the move to make them look like the first generation toys and the cartoon series from the 80s that I that I grew up with anyway. It did nothing but make me smile and it looked so good. Um, when, I, when I saw the, the first Transformers movie, the first Michael Bay directed movie, uh, I still think is is fine. I still think it's all right. I I really I liked it when I saw it. I was blown away by how good the transforming effect was in that movie. Right, uh, and it was like it's far surpassed what I was expecting at the time. But now that we've had a bunch of those, and that's kind of old not say old hat, but we're used to that. But taking that technology and now using it to, you know, to make the 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 characters look like they did, right. how we all recognize them, uh, was a great idea. I wish they'd have done it sooner. Maybe start out that way, it, but it was great. And of my and I loved. There's a couple sequences that you see on Cybertron with all these old school Transformers looking just like they did. Uh, my particular favorite is Soundwave, who like uh, when it ejects ejects a tape because like when he comes to Earth, he he transforms into like a cassette player, and so right. he has little Decepticon cassettes in his chest that he'll eject, and they'll turn into little animals right and you see and he has this electronic voice that always sounded really creepy and you see him eject ravage comes out of his chest and transforms into like a a panther like creature i forget what ravage is supposed to be i don't know i just i was like ooh, animal yeah it's great that the that 
change in how in the look of the of the Autobots and the Decepticons was look was so good, mm-hmm. and it you know perfect use of the technology made it look just like they did back in the day, except real, you know, <laughs> or as real as it can it could it could come come out. So that's my first favorite thing. I love that. It's all looked great. Yeah. I think um, I'm not really sure what has happened, but it definitely feels uh, in this last year, year and a half of movies, that more and more reboots or um, remakes of things that came out of the 70s and 80s that producers and writers are kind of paying more attention to what people love about them Mm -hmm. and are doing more to honor and, you know, incorporate those nostalgia moments into these remakes so that people who enjoyed, you know, the cartoons, you know, and the toys, they have something to enjoy as well. You know, again, like, oh, I remember that toy versus... Oh, they made it look so different than how I remember. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that they're starting to get the hang of that idea that you can remake something from uh, the childhood of, of those of us who are adults now into something that will both honor our memories, but also appeal to the kids, Yeah. you know, today. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's something that they did, I feel, in the first Transformers which I also think is good. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely created. They were like, well, we're just going to appeal to a new audience. Yes. Rather than taking into account that you might be able to also bring back, you know, the adult audience who enjoyed it as kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Like, I have no doubt that Michael Bay never considered for a second in his first movie to make Bumblebee a Volkswagen bug. Oh, of course not. No, that was going to be a Camaro or some sort of sports car. Never crossed his mind to do anything else other than that. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, disappointing. Sure. But especially since they were able to kind of throw that in mm-hmm. to this movie right yeah. there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so my first thing was definitely the 80s feel mm-hmm. of this movie. They did such a great job um, capturing the 1980s just kind of atmosphere but also um throwing in little homages to um other 80s films and 80 movie patterns yeah so i mean everything from the music i think we got like to the second or third song in and i just turned and looked at you in the theater i'm like best soundtrack yeah because <laughs> it's got a great 80s soundtrack um but then this, it also does some great throwbacks to like 80s movie tropes yeah. um, without always falling into the pit. So, I mean, they start out, Bumblebee is watching The Breakfast Club. Right. You know, um, and then they play it out a little bit by Haley having to work. She works at the local carnival um, and mm. they started out with, oh, Haley's going to have the her own 80s movie, um, like, arc in this where, you know, she runs into, runs into the hot guy. You right, know? right. His name is Trip, T-R-I-P-P, mm-hmm. uh, just, which, of course, so, so 80s. Um, the, you know, the teen hot guy and the snotty 
mean girls who right. are supposed to look like they're dressing like they're in 1980 teenagers, and yet I, I just can't remember any 80s teenagers dressing like that. Um, you know, but they're the mean girls, and they you know, have a couple of encounters mm-hmm. with the mean girls and with the hot guy where he challenges her to a, we're going to jump off the cliff, you know? Right. And she's a former diver. So mm-hmm. you're waiting for her, of course, to show him up and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you're expecting a come up, comeuppance, right. right? Like, and the worst it gets is when they attempt to, uh, TP her house right. <laughs> and egg her car and they're trying to show Bumblebee how to do that um, but that's it like it doesn't fall into the trap of wrapping around at the end of the movie where she shows back up in her shiny new Camaro with Bumblebee right. to mm-hmm. to show up the snotty mean girl like right. they just kind of are like well that like 16 candles when Molly Ringwald ends up with what's his face right yeah the cute guy who yeah. only did like three movies ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly like that. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, I just, the eighties feel the 80, the dress, the soundtrack was great. Nostalgia. Like I remember the transformers cartoons, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. I was currently going through my, uh, complete and utter devotion, devotion to she right. at the time. So I was aware of Transformers, but didn't watch it a lot, but I could totally appreciate all of the eighties, other eighties mm. kind of movie atmosphere. Piece. Yeah. So. That was all, that was all really great. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my number one, the eighties feel of this movie, which okay. is totally authentic. All right, so for my second favorite thing... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Fun fact about this? Yeah. So this was the moment where I I totally felt not old, but sort of old. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So this movie is set in 1987. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld is 20, you know, so she doesn't know how to use any of this stuff. Um, They actually had to teach her how to use a Walkman. You would think that it would be not hard. Yeah, but again, figure out. this is an entire generation that has never had to use a cassette tape. That's true. That's true. There, there's your, there's your kind of fun mm. fact slash I feel old now moment. Well, that's the thing with these movies set in the '80s, especially if you're gonna have your main character be, a, you know, a teenager. You're gonna cast someone who wasn't alive in the '80s. Right. So. All right. All right. So for my second favorite thing, uh, right after Bumblebee gets to Earth, encounters some army guys, military guys, but he has a fight with a Decepticon named Blitzwing. Mm -hmm. And that fight sequence between those two Transformers is wonderfully done. Right. Uh, It's so great. The, The shot of Blitzwing transforming from jet into robot as he's coming into camera is, it's in the trailer, and it's beautifully done. Um, I think this might be the best like transformer on transformer fight <laughs> sequence in any of the movies, at least since the first Transformers movie. Because after the original that they made, uh, all the sequels just devolved into CGI metal monsters just smashing into each other. It was that's just a big mess, um, and I haven't even seen all the sequels. 
but I feel confident that that's accurate. <laughs> Throughout, whereas this sequence is clearly thought out, clearly choreographed. Mm-hmm. They clearly have differing fighting styles. One's bigger than the other. Uh, Bumblebee has to, you know, compensate compensate for being smaller. But they've already established from the earlier sequence on Cybertron that he is, you know, that he is a warrior. You know, he is a soldier, which was a nice change because in the in the cartoon he was he was really a just a, a liability. He was <laughs> he never beat anybody in a fight. He was essentially there to be a hostage every once in a while, <laughs> to be a friend to the humans. So that was cool that he you know, was a fighter, a soldier, and that fight sequence was a lot of fun. Right. And really cool and really well done. And uh, yeah, so that's my second favorite thing. A uh, Two CGI characters fighting, and to be honest, it never crossed my mind that I was looking at two essentially cartoons. Right. You know, it was that well done. It, it was. It, and I would say in all of the fight scenes with, that Bumblebee is involved in, they did a great job of taking into account his size. Yes. Right? That, you know, how does somebody, a robot, well, or somebody who is significantly smaller than their opponent still win? Mm-hmm. And um, we've seen that a lot in different, in other fight scenes, just in general, um, where, like, it reminded me of um, Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Uh, that we watched a while ago, and which is a great uh, movie. I loved it. I thought it was fun. But they talk about in the director's cut how they created and they really thought about how does um, a, a woman who's much smaller mm-hmm. um, physically uh, than her male opponents, how does she how does she win? Yeah. Right? What are the tools that she's going to use that are going to assist her in, in actually winning a fight? And I feel like they kind of did that same type of thing with Bumblebee. How does a physically smaller, um, you know, individual mm-hmm. fight a larger individual? Um, and they did that excellently with Bumblebee. They also did a great job of explaining why he can't speak. I appreciated this version so much better. Yeah. So. I did too. Yeah. A lot more thought went to those details than. Than the first one. Than previous. Correct. Right. All right, for my last... Oh, fa- I haven't done my number two. Oh, I thought... Oh, I'm sorry. No, nope, I okay. was just... You're so, just... Okay. okay. No. Um, my number two is John Cena. Okay. Um, I just... He was hilarious. I appreciate that as an actor, he doesn't take himself too seriously. You better not. Um, he is Agent Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts out, you know, as you watch the previews and even start... You inter- meet him at the start. You're like, oh, he's going to be... The villain. He's, he's an antagonist, right? Yep. He's a bad guy. And he's not, um, which is good. Uh-huh. At most, he's just, he's more the stereotypical, suspicious military guy. Yeah. It's just positive that, you know, it's alien, therefore it's... you must, you, you should destroy it. Right. Um, but he's, he's kind of a, a, a lovable jerk, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he starts, he's got some of the best lines they that give are him so funny the line of the movie they do the best line in the movie. i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna get there yeah. um but he starts out with um you know when you first meet him they're playing paintball mm-hmm. which i didn't realize was a thing in the 80s but okay i guess maybe for real military training um yeah but then he's he's shooting his friend 
you know, and his friend's trapped and hanging there. And he keeps shooting him and he's like, ow, that hurts. And he's like, oh, man, yeah, the trigger's just... And he keeps, like, accidentally shooting him. And every, Accidentally. Yeah. I'm using air quotes With that you air can't quotes. see. And he keeps looking at the gun and he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, just... I, I mean, bing, you know, and then hits uh. me and like, oh, so sorry, so sorry. And so you just kind of... You can't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. But you're also like, oh, my gosh, this guy's such a jerk. And it kind of sets up his character for the rest of the movie where... Um, you know, like he's walking around at one point in time near the end of the movie. He's he's walking, you know, very seriously back to the military compound. And he, you know, the door is closed and he's yelling, there's a door in my way. You know, <laughs> and so his minions come running up yeah. to blow the door. Um, but then, yeah, he gets the best lines of the movie where um, the Decepticons and for did a brilliant they did a brilliant move here with the writing where because uh, the Decepticons greet the military right right they pose as good guys they mm-hmm. are like oh yeah we're here right. to to get rid of a dangerous a bumblebee is a wanted criminal right. or war criminal or something uh, yeah, like that yeah dangerous criminal like yeah. that's why we're here we're you know and which is brilliant mm-hmm. um. But then they are talking about it with, you know, the scientist, of course, who's like, we must study these guys. It's so great. Um, they come in peace. And, and I feel like that is also so accurate. Like, so often science is like, study it, understand it. Let's right. learn from it. Um, and then you have the military playing its stereotypical role, which is we don't understand it. So just go ahead and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're sitting across the table um and john cena is like are you out of your mind like what's wrong and then he goes they're literally called decepticons it's in the name right shouldn't that give us a clue yeah and it's the best moment um of like i burst out laughing Mm -hmm. i think half the audience did because it's just so obvious right right they're called decepticons (laughs) they admitted that's what they're called yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't it red flag? Yeah. Right. Shouldn't that be a red flag? Um and so it it's a great moment. I'm glad he got to say it. Uh-huh. Um he is he he's hilarious and I think every time I watch John Cena in a movie um like this I realize he he has he's grasped that idea of like you might as well just have fun with it. Mm. You know. Um I think Trainwreck was the la- was the first time that I really enjoyed him in a movie again because he's just he doesn't take himself too seriously. At some point in time some guy calls him Mark Wahlberg. Right. And he turns around and he's like, "Do I look like Mark Wahlberg? I look like Mark Wahlberg. Eight Mark Wahlberg." Like, yeah. you know, and it's just so so I appreciated him. Um I was surprised, um happily surprised that they didn't just turn him into the villain yeah you know which would have been easy to do but it's a transformers movie it's supposed to be the autobots versus Versus the the decepticons Decepticons. and they kept that storyline going yes all right yeah he was he was good he's i think Trainwreck might be the only other movie i've ever seen him in you know and he'd uh he's good uh he has good comedic you know timing and delivery right yeah all right you're number three my third thing is uh hayley steinfeld and the romantic innocence uh, of her character Charlie and her neighbor Memo. Yep. 
Um, you know, having her in the, as the lead in this, I think, was pretty good casting. Mm-hmm. She's very charming, and and to be honest, you know, having the the you know uh, that their I don't even know if romance is the right word. You know, uh, he's kind of fond budding, romance. budding romance. That's better. Uh, after movie after movie of Michael Bay's camera essentially leering Ugh. over. Uh, Megan super Fox. and and anyone any other woman that came after her right um you know because she she complained about that <laughs> so <laughs> he essentially got her blackballed um you know it was a breath of fresh air because upon watching that's the one thing that really stands out that i do not like when i see the first transformers movie is just the you know the male gaze oh, over yeah. you know the over megan fox's body it kind of becomes a little gross. Right. And so that they went this way with it was a breath of fresh air, especially for a movie that is a holiday, you know, family movie. Mm-hmm. was very nice and very charming. And the guy who plays Memo is pretty fun. Right. You know. Jorge Lindbergh Jr. And the thing about, like, he, he like, tries to kiss her on the, at the very end. He's like, hey, hey, hey. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I really appreciated that, um, and yeah. So that was uh, her performance uh, as the lead in this was good, and just the two of them together, and a you know a more you know preteen innocence yeah to that sort of thing was nice yeah. So that's what I'm going to say. My third thing was. Um, well, again, uh, that's interesting because my third thing is the Haley. Stan, uh, Stanfield versus Jorge Lindeberg versus the Megan Fox Shia LaBeouf pairings. Okay. Um, because again, for many of the same things that you said, I appreciated the fact that um, <clears throat> you've got a cute teenage girl who is cute, right? But they don't oversexualize her. Yeah. Um, they you have a um, kind of goofy but adorable, um, you know, sidekick. Right. Who, who has a crush on her, right. obviously. Um, and that, you know, mirrors kind of the Shia LaBeouf, you know, is the kind of geeky but adorable guy. Right. Um, who has a crush on, you know, the automotively competent well, female, woman. <laughs> um, Megan Fox, except that, you know, in this case... They're not turning her into just... She's not in miniskirts and half shirts and... Yeah, she, yeah. it's just not a over-sexualization mm-hmm. of a movie. They're just characters and they are... Um, they're really cute and yeah. you get to see the budding romance. Um, but it is so much more well done here. Yeah. You know, I just thought that this is a great contrast... To the first one and in a very refreshing way because all of these movies were not um i mean the original transformers was like pg-13 yeah right as was this one mm-hmm. and yet you see kind of the different ways you can tell a really good story with you know male and female characters right without it turning into um you know like just completely uh What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, sexual objectification. Yeah. Right? This was a fun movie rated exactly the same as the first one. And yet you don't have to have the 
you know, you don't have to have that kind of like vomit inducing part for the female audience. Because in the first one, in the original Transformers, that's the thing. Like the guys may, Michael Bay may have made a movie for the guys, Mm -hmm. um, but he forgot that like more than 50% of movie going audiences is female. (laughs) Michael Bay only makes movies for guys. I don't think it crosses his mind to make them for any other audience. That's probably true. Um, but this movie... I don't like Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, did you want to say that again? No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think like part of it was is this was written by a woman. Yeah. You know, she was mm-hmm. the writer. And that helped, um, I think, create... A different perspective on it too because you know when you have women writing um a female character they don't automatically go with you know can we make sure that we oil her up and have her bending over a car right in the sunset right (laughs) so but um and and again that doesn't take away from the fact that being an attractive having your characters be attractive or you know like what's that? that that your audience is going to want to like you know have their character that they can like want to be like or want right. to adore um <clears throat> it's not taking away from that it's just that this was a really good movie and it didn't need that in there no just like transformers i think would have been a better movie had you taken those pieces out yeah i mean i've thought for a while that uh like i don't know after the third or fourth Transformers movie, whatever. I lost count how many there were. It was like, okay, time to give it to someone else. Right. You know, time to let someone else take a shot at this. I, mean, I remember watching, because I have the DVD of the first movie, and I mm-hmm. watched it with, like, director's commentary on at one point. And you hear Michael Bay talking about making it. And, you know, and some of the jokes in, in that end up in those movies are pretty, not pretty, they're quite juvenile. Right. And uh, and he admitted, you know, that like this one thing, oh, this joke was my idea. This is just my sense of humor. And I was like, what are you, 12? Yes. You're like a 40-something-year-old man. You think that that's funny? Yes. I, what is, you know, it blew my mind. But, you know, but that first movie still, despite all of that, is fun and well made. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of them just get really dumb and bad. And there's racial caricatures that show up in Transformer movies. Oh, yeah. Wild. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but yeah, but that they let, I mean, he's a producer on this. I hope they just let him be named as a producer just to keep him happy and keep him away. Right. Uh, uh, Knight, what's the kid's name? Phil Knight's son. Travis uh, Knight. Travis Knight, uh, son of Nike CEO Phil, Phil Knight's, directed the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worked at the Lykea Studios, which make like Coraline and those right. animated movies. And did a great job. Mm-hmm. Great job. And yeah, and well-written. You definitely see the difference in writing. Oh, yeah. It is shockingly apparent. <laughs> 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 I thought Michael Bay was credited with writing those Transformers movies, but I'm sure a lot of the... But I think he's known for, like, kind of improving stuff on the day. I right. think a lot of his sensibility gets in that way. So... Yeah. I just think um, he has a lot of talent, right? There are definitely things where you're like, okay... Michael Bay is good at this. He's good right? at making things look cool. Right. And a good explosion, he mm-hmm. can do. Right. He can do really well. Um, 
I just don't, I think you're right. Like, I don't think he ever like emotionally evolved from being like 12 or 13. Yeah. You know? And, and that's good because he's made a living out of making things explode and, you mm-hmm. know, and a, a good action adventure movie, um, which has its place. I liked Bad Boys, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. those are good. <clears throat> the first Transformers was great. Um, he directed uh, the movie Pain and Gain, yeah, which is hilarious because it's based on a true story. Yeah, there, I have a problem with that one. Right. Well, I'm just saying it's hilarious, not that it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, and then he did Armageddon. So, but yeah. he produced that. He didn't direct it. Yeah. The problem with Pain and Gain is that if you read about the actual true story, um. That movie accounts to essentially character assassination to the guy that they kidnapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they make in the movie him seem like this really sleazebag, corrupt person. Right. And that guy wasn't. Right. That guy was kidnapped and tortured in real life. And he turned it into a joke. Yeah. So, I mean, I watched that movie and I was like, this is surprisingly good. And then I read up about what actually happened. I was like, oh, he's a piece of garbage <laughs> for, for doing that. Right. Okay. Anyway. And I don't, I didn't know that. So, yeah. new information. Um. Anyway, so I just think that, getting back to my number three, mm. um, that they did a fantastic job with their lead, their two leads, and um, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. It's a good point. So, okay, any honorary mentions? Oh, for sure. Um, so I was very much in the Transformers. When mm-hmm. I was a kid, I had a bunch of the toys. I read the Marvel comics uh, that they made. I love because the Marvel comics they they come to Earth and they crash in Mount Hood, so it they starts right. off in Oregon, which I loved. I watched the cartoon as much as I could, and and in this movie, brief appearance of a tra- the first Transformer I ever owned, Cliff Jumper. Yeah, Cliff Jumper who makes a valiant sacrifice. Dying at the hands of the villains. Uh, but I was really surprised to see him. Because I don't know that I've seen him in anything else other than the cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, So that, that was cool for me. Uh, also, the actress who plays uh, Charlie's mom, Pamela Adlin mm-hmm. is her name. I really like her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she's great. And, you know, don't give her a ton to do in this. But she does well as being kind of the, the put-upon widow trying to get her life you know, going again, you right. know, and dealing with a teenage daughter who misses her father so, so much. Um, but yeah, she's great. She's in a TV series called Better Things, where she kind of plays a fictionalized version of herself, uh, which is really, really good. And upon looking into this also, and I didn't realize this until today, is the voice of Bobby Hill on the TV series King of the Hill. Really? Yes. Huh. That's what I said. When I looked that up, Crazy. I looked at her IMDb page. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So my um, honorary mentions are uh, the parents, right? Uh-huh. Classic clueless '80s parents. Yeah. Who um, just assign their daughter's surliness and grief to being angsty and teenager, and um, and they've got Ron, her stepdad, who. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about. On the one hand, I appreciated the fact that they didn't make him a villain. You know, typically, 
when step parents are yeah you know the step parent is always got an you know an ulterior motive to like they're just interested in the parent and the kids are blah blah you know like mm-hmm. and so there was there was almost a point where I was like oh when you meet him because he's he's insanely cheerful right in his first scene um and I was like, oh, is this kind of, is he going to be like a secret government agent who's going to be secretly going, you know, I, but they didn't complicate it at all. Um, no, he's just a nice guy who is really bad at trying to figure out how to connect with I a teenage guess. girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and at the end he, and, and, you know, her, Charlie's mom try to protect her. You know, and mm-hmm. so they, they get themselves in trouble, you know, as he's trying to drive and uh, head off the the hummy, hummers that are trying to chase down Bumblebee. And mm-hmm. and so I just, I liked that part that they, they made the family unit relatively functional, you know, that obviously Charlie is grieving for her father still, but um, her home life is not bad. And her stepdad is not a terrible person. Right. And so I just, I thought that that was a great um, moment there. That, mm-hmm. again, these are all little so- pieces of the story that sometimes get written in to add little sub arcs, like stepdad's a jerk and we're going to have to find out. Or, you know, but it wasn't that. It, they didn't complicate it, that, complicate it with that. They just... Yes, she's struggling with connecting with her stepdad, mm-hmm. but he's not a bad guy. He's yeah. not an evil guy. He doesn't dislike kids. He does, you know, like right. He's not. He's not playing nice while mom's around and then mean to her right. when they're alone. Right. Right. So, and it's those types of things that are great to that you don't. What you know, like I, it says something that that's kind of where I expected the movie to go because that's such typical writing and so it was really refreshing and awesome that it didn't go there Mm -hmm. so you know they even show a scene where they're all sitting around the tv um with their tv with their little uh tv microwave dinners (laughs) you know watching elf Mm -hmm. i think is what it is um i loved elf back in the day and so you know, again, I just I th- I thought that was a great honorable mention because yeah. it shows that really good writing and a really good story doesn't need additional complications. I, yeah, so. I agree. All right, uh, any other honorable, honorable mentions? mentions? Um, I would just I would say that the two Decepticons that came down, yeah, um, were were hilarious. Um, Shatterstar. Shatter and Dropkick. Oh, Shatter and Dropkick. Um, They were really good. Okay. I thought the woman who did the voice of Shatter Uh, was great. I agree with that. Um, And just their their interplay there Mm -hmm. where she's in charge and she, you know, kneels at the beginning when they first meet the humans and um, Dropkick's like, what are you doing? Like, he's so, like baffled and she's just like follow my lead and he's like oh this is humiliating as he also kneels yeah um and you know they're just they play such classic bad guy yeah with classic bad guy lines you know like the first time he kills a human i was just gonna say that yeah splatters and he's like i like the way they splatter (laughs) i think he says i like the way they pop oh yes that's what it is yeah um and so i just 
I, I thought that their those two voice actors did a great job, mm-hmm. and the, their interplay was really funny, and just the kind of snarky subordinate nature of of Dropkick mm-hmm. is is really funny. Um, watching, you know, yeah. oh, this is so humiliating as they have to kneel and yeah. pretend to be good. <laughs> um, I liked that at the end, you see Bumblebee driving across the Golden State Bridge with Optimus right. Prime. Yes. Like the old school Generation 1 Optimus Prime tractor trailer, mm-hmm. you know, truck, which was, I believe, a Peterbilt back in the day, but they put a Freightliner on him this time, which is fine. A family that works with Freightliner, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I thought that was cool. So yeah, I also it was a, it was again that final moment of again honoring the original. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I would have liked to see more of Optimus Prime in yeah. the movie. Me too. So that part was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, specifically where he he has like the sword arm, that was really good. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I hoping I'm hoping that this is a reboot, and they make another one of these. Except now they can just make it a full on Transformers movie, right? Because you know what, all the stuff that they the stuff they show happening on Cybertron was awesome. Oh, it was. I loved that. That was the best starting fight scene. Yeah, it was so great. So yeah, I hope it. Uh, I can't really find anywhere where anybody will admit that this is supposed to be a reboot. I saw where someone said, this isn't a reboot. It's more of a course correction. Okay, well, you alter the history of the timeline. Right. You know, but, but especially with the little sort of post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, whatever. Just make them more like this. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but any dislikes? Um, I mean, I already kind of said I wish that there had been more more transformers yeah in there you know other than the battle um at the very beginning mm-hmm. where you kind of like you get you almost are set up for like oh my gosh there's gonna be a lot of transformers from that we remember yeah but no yeah you know <laughs> and that's that's disappointing yeah um but i mean that was that's probably my biggest disappointment yeah which is kind of mine, it leads to mine. Mm-hmm. Now, everything you said about the performance of the two Decepticon villains, right. is I agree with. But the only reason I knew what their names are, Dropkick and Shatter, is because I looked them up before we recorded this. Because mm-hmm. I don't remember. That was the thing that bothered me. Is like the two primary Decepticon villains in this movie are two Decepticons I, have, I don't remember. Right. I was like, who the, who the F are these guys? I remember when the Triple Changers came out, kinda, but why would you choose them to be your primary villains? And there are so many other name characters that you could have used uh, mm. that would have made it, I think, better. I mean, the performances, again, were like, as you said, were fine, but that just, I didn't care for that, the choice of those two. The one I was like, yeah. I don't know who they are, I have no memory of them, with all these other Generation 1 characters that you threw in. I think the only thing that I would say about that is, um, so, you know, sort of the problem in the first Transformers is that they like flat out, they, they just kill Megatron at the beginning, at the end of that movie. Right. Right. So then where do you go with your franchise if you've killed the primary ultimate bad guy? Um, 
oh, oh, I, we now we have to come up with a reason to bring him back to life, you know, or mm-hmm. a way of of finding him and bringing him back to life. And I just feel like that it's not a bad idea if you start with some of your lesser baddies, um, if you know that the the big bad is coming down yeah. the line, you know? Sure. So maybe, I don't know, I'm making that up. Um, but it just seems like that might be part of it because I definitely think this was a foray into can we reboot the franchise mm-hmm. we're not going to call it a reboot because Michael Bay is producing it right? Um, and we don't want to hurt his feelings but uh, so we'll call it a prequel except then we'll change the whole timeline yes <laughs> so I'm blatantly so I mean Optimus Prime doesn't show up to Earth until you know, the first Transformers movie takes place in 2000 and whatever. Right. And that's when they first... And, but he's on Earth in the 80s with Bumblebee at the right. end of this. So, yeah. Or, you know, that could... They don't give you the exact... Well, okay, they kind of do. Never you mind. You see him driving across the bridge together. <laughs> so, I yeah. I agree. Um, but I just... I think that was yeah. the... That would be a good way. Because you then you can kill them and not feel bad because mm-hmm. you have time for... The, the big baddies to arrive. Okay. Maybe? I don't know. I still, there's other, I think there are other characters I would rather they had gone with. Okay. That's just, that's just me. What um, else? What else? So, uh, John Cena's character, a little inconsistent. Um, you know, after the first encounter with Bumblebee, uh, these robot things, bad, they're dangerous. Two Decepticons show up. Except for maybe these guys. These nope. guys might be okay. Because he, he, he accepts their help initially. And then, and, but then later he's like, well, maybe we shouldn't. I don't it, think he does. Like, he's pretty clear about, like, he wants to blow them up. And the scientist is like, no, they're friends. And he's like, what are you doing? Um, and then they, they're sitting around discussing whether or not they're going to accept their help. And he's like, these are not good things. And then mm-hmm. they show that other scene where they're, you know, um, where you can clearly see their, the invention of the internet, right? you know, um, and all that technology coming forth. Right. But he's sitting upstairs with his commander and his commander's like, as soon as they give us everything they need, you can have them and take them apart. Right. That's what I'm saying is like when they first meet them in the desert, he seems perfectly fine with accepting their help. And then later on, he's like, well, now maybe this is a bad idea. Oh, I definitely, I did not get that impression from okay. that scene. So, um, and then, uh, I'm so also, there's a couple of catch, well, I don't know, catchphrase is the right word. There's at least one phrase, one line in this movie that doesn't belong in the 80s. And it's a line that's totally modern. It mm-hmm. bothers me because it's also a line that I want, I, I don't want to see in movies or TV shows anymore. I'm done with it. The phrase, I got this. <laughs> I got this. We got this. You got whatever. I'm. I, I, you, you hear it all the time everywhere now and everything. And I'm done with it. And Hi- Haley Steinfeld says it before they go to what she's getting on her moped. They're going to go. Are they going to rescue Bumblebee? Yes. Yeah. Is that when it is? And she's on, you know, and she says, I got this. And I was like, nobody said that in 1987. That was in a. It just stood out to me as like it's out of place. And plus, I goddamn hate that line now. (laughs) 
So I feel like I have just learned something new about you. I had no every idea. Every time I hear that in a movie, which is almost every movie now, I just go, because <sighs> I feel like we can think of something. It's not that. I mean, it's like it's three. We can think of three other words. We can think of something else now. It's enough. <laughs> it was cute six years ago or whenever. I'm done. Time to time to tur- turn on the creative juices and come up with a new clever three-word phrase. Uh, again, I'm just sitting here, uh, having learned something dramatically new about you and things that drive you crazy. I don't like it. <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah, I. I mean. I can't think of anything else really that I didn't like in this movie. Um, And that's not necessarily because it was such a great movie that there wasn't anything wrong with it. Sure. Uh, It's just that it, it did its job well as a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I went into it with very low expectations. And so I wasn't, so I was pleasantly surprised. It was a better movie than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, outside of kind of wanting to see more Transformers, Transformers. you know, it was it was a yeah. good Transformers movie. Yeah, any issues I have with it are really quite minor. Uh, the whole Bumblebee losing his memories thing, I didn't care for that bit. Yeah, I didn't that think didn't that was necessary. They didn't really give a... And then he lost his memories until he didn't. He got them back for no real... I wish they had, had if they're going to get do that, give him his memories back with something for some better re- The method of him getting his memories back should be other than just he now needs to come back to life. And oh, yeah, he has his memories now. Well, because she's hitting him with those like shock sticks. Oh, right. That's another thing. That and that, so I guess that was the piece that I was like, really? Because they hit him with those earlier in the movie. And uh-huh. that doesn't shock his memory back into right. like rebooting. So... That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't really understand that. Right. Um, yeah. I also didn't necessarily understand the whole. I don't have any memory. I could understand, you know, like the battery going critically low, the damage being there. You know, mm-hmm. I understand a lot of that stuff. But then, you know, they hit him with these essentially um, electrical stunners. Right. And that doesn't do anything to his memory. Right. But then he's dying and she hits him with those electrical stunners. And suddenly, not only is he at full power, but now he, he has his memory back. Yeah. It was it was like, uh, we're going to take away his memories so he has no memory of being a soldier. And now we can essentially have him acting like a cute dog. Right. Until we need him to have his memory back so he can remember how to fight again. Correct. Which I didn't care for. Also that they resuscitated him by essentially shooting him with a gun. That's what those things look. Remember, they had him like laying down. They like mm-hmm. give me another. You know, that's. I guess that's very. Maybe that's very. Just very American. That we're going <laughs> <laughs> to do CPR on this robot by shooting it a bunch with an energy with an energy energy rifle. gun. Yeah, I forget what it which was. which is weird that they had those in the eighties. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, but those are all pretty, really quite minor. Mm-hmm. I feel so. Yeah. They're silly errors, in a in a silly. But fun movie. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. I agree. All right. So I think uh, anything else you want to say about Bumblebee? Mm, No, not really. I think we've covered it. 
All right, great. Well, uh, that'll be it for the first episode of 2019. I know. And I think next week we're talking about going to see Mary Top- Mary Poppins. Right, returns. Mary Poppins returns. returns. Um, so eventually, I think we'll probably do it in either you know best of 2018. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, but we haven't finished seeing all the movies we wanted to see from 2018, so right. we really can't do that counting just yet. yet. Yeah, well, for sure we'll get in Mary Poppins. I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, I wanted to see Anna and the Apocalypse, but I don't think it's in theaters anymore. Um, but anyway, so at least one more 2018 movie right. before we do our best of. All right, so thanks again for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, where you can rate and really view us, download, subscribe to. I got that all out of order. Uh, if you have an Android device, try Podcast Republic or any other podcatching apps. We're on a lot of them. Uh, if you have any opinions on Bumblebee or any other movies that we've done, shoot us an email to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Maybe even recommend a beer to try in the future episode. Yeah. So I think that's it. And until next week. Go see a movie. And thanks, everyone, for listening.